Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. <laughs> Andy Jacobs. I forgot who I was then. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Now, Arsene Wenger has always been quite keen on replacing a throw-in with a kick-in. And they actually tried this in 1994 in the Deodora League. I don't need to tell you that. But uh, we spoke to someone who was managing a team at that time to tell us whether it worked or not, didn't we? We did, and uh, that was good fun. Also, we spoke to an author of a book that's quite a shocking book, but a, yeah. a fascinating story. Can I say what it's called on the podcast? And I couldn't say what it was called on air. It. it involves swearing. Yeah. Yeah? It's called Follow Fucking Orders. Yeah. What about that? Which is a message that I'd like to send to our producer, actually, exactly. while we're here. Uh, no, but it's a, it's a very serious book and a quite amazing book. A great bit of investigative journalism, you'll hear that. The listeners got involved. We found out who the shouters were, the Connor Codys and Tyrone Mings of the TalkSport listenership. Uh, so that, and that's it, isn't it, really? Oh, we had a chat. Oh, we had a chat. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, unfortunately. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And good afternoon, Paul. And uh, we're going to talk about this, but I, I do think that, you know, this it's fascinating that 11,000 Belgian fans are going to be allowed in tonight. Yeah, especially as Fletch told us that Brussels is, yeah. is not in the greatest of shape as a city at the moment. Nope. So it's uh, the, the trouble is no politician wants to be the one that says, OK, the fans will come back and if there is a spike. And it's interesting. Yeah. Martin, we'll talk to Martin Ziegler. He yeah. wrote a very interesting piece <clears> this morning. <throat> so there you go. We'll, we'll get on to that. But uh, NHS ch- chiefs have apologised for losing a world champion's £7,500 wheelchair. Paralympic gold medalist David Smith, 31, took the chair for a repair at an NH run, NHS run specialist centre. But two days later, staff admitted they'd lost it. I oh, mean, no. I mean, how? How do you do that? Presumably it was stolen. I hope no one's... Well, if, if, just look for somebody going incredibly quickly in a wheelchair, I would That's imagine. Ridiculous. If someone's had it away, because a racing know. wheelchair, you've seen them. They're very, I know. They're very different from your bog-standard <laughs> NHS wheelchair, aren't they? I think there'd be some sort of security there, but there you go. Hmm. Um, what are you going to do? It was amazing thing. See, Ian Botham uh, yesterday took his place in the uh, A couple house, of days ago, wasn't it? A couple it? of yeah. days in the House of Lords. And uh, it's, I'm fascinated by these people that write this stuff. Oh, Ian Botham takes up his seat in the Lords, finally. Oh, well, Beefy, just think, 300-plus a day just for signing in, plus mega perks like subsidised beef dinners, lots of virtually free pints and single malts. List goes on, eh? You think, it's such a ridiculous... Let's look look at this. So we've got one bloke who uh, represented his country, was fantastic, won an Ashes series, raised millions for charity, uh, versus 
A bloke that writes to the Daily Star. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm going with Beefy. Although you've got no idea what that bloke who wrote the Daily Star has done. No. He may have he may have won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for all you know. What's his name? Yeah. Rob Tin. Rob Tin, yeah, winner of the Nobel Peace Prize 2007. You must have Highly been unlikely. Uh, to add to the uh, to the argument Brilliant. about fans returning, two mm. dancers told us uh, 2,000 Bosnian fans allowed mm. into Sarajevo Stadium tonight. For the Northern Ireland game. No travelling fans, though, of course. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, there we are. So, look, we're seeing it around the world. We're seeing fans get into stadiums. But um, as Martin Ziegler is going to tell us, possibly Cheltenham and Liverpool versus Atletico has, has been a stick to beat sport with since. And so it's it's, it's high profile. You're right there, Andy. Yeah, no, the reason I'm doing you're, this... You've been rustling. There's a reason why I'm rustling, because the producer wanted me to do this. Because Did he? I was uh, bemoaning the fact that how I do it is I go through the papers in the morning, I see the bits I like, and yeah. I cut them out, and I sellotape them onto bits of paper. And then mm. I have a sort of guide thing. So I, if you say to me, what have you got? Next, Andy, I, I think the listeners would be surprised that there's some kind of system <laughs> to this. It's this wonderful system. You wouldn't yeah. think so. A lot of people do say to me, It's a great job, isn't it? Just turning up, oh, yeah, you know, having a laugh. Well, well, it is in a sense, yeah. So, uh, occasionally, though, I, t- I stick one down the wrong way round. Do you really? Yeah, so, um, so I, I was looking at D Day hero Harry Billinge, 95, has had a GWR express train named in his honor, which is a nice thing. Lovely story, yeah, Andy, lovely story, but not the one you intended. <laughs> what I intended, so he said to me, Would you? Would you have it, take it off during the uh, five past one section as he likes, and to then what, see what's on the back of it? What's yeah. on the other side? Neither. Single yeah. mummers won a four hundred twenty-five thousand pound apartment for just two pound in a raffle. Yeah. Why? Why was I got that? That's not that interesting either. <laughs> Neither side was worth sticking down. Yeah. Now um, I'm going to ask a li- I'm going to ask a question of the listeners this afternoon, Andy. Have you ever yeah. played with a shouter? Uh, Connor Cody has admitted. Uh, even though he walks, he walks straight into the uh, England setup, and he just played his normal game, which as we, which we uh, heard, of course, yeah. in that first match, he was very vocal. And Tyro Mings apparently very vocal as well. Mm. The sort of pair of them have been out there; they're out sh- like a pair of town criers. But you do find in when you play sport in the lower reaches, whatever it is, you know, mm. predominantly sort of football, even in cricket, maybe, yeah. there will be someone who. Won't stop talking, as uh, Chaz and Dave <laughs> yeah. once said, that does all be good the shouting. You do. No, you haven't. That's the thing. Often the person that does all the shouting <laughs> is nowhere near the best player. Often mm. the best player will just get their head down and get on with it. I don't, someone like yeah. sort of a, a Chris Waddle or someone, not a massive shouter. Uh, um, I, I Glenn Hoddle was. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe his teammates mm. would tell me otherwise. But I think often it, it's, not, it's not always the best player who's the most vocal player. But they often have a mantra. They'll have a thing that they often shout. Um, like back door, a, a reoccurring <laughs> shout from a from a. I imagine, come on, lads, will be one of yeah. them. But have you played? Are you the shouter? Admit it. Uh, have you been, or have you played with one that, that just was incessant? Nil nil is a common one when you've just gone one nil up or two nil up, and then they'll shout nil nil, lads, as if it's like as if like yeah, you're nil, like the sports yeah. psychologist in them <laughs> comes to the fore. Okay, well, look, if you've played with a shouter, uh, uh, do let us know. Um, talksport.com text 81089 tweet TSH&J that's T-S-H-A-N-D-J and uh, maybe you tell one of them to shut up <laughs> I've, got, I've got no idea but do, do let us know this afternoon do you remember on the show when the Beckhams were at their height David was playing and Posh was you know building a career and oh, yeah. fashion designer the, the, the press would sort of have a go at them but they'd always say things like no one loves the Beckhams more than me yeah. but well I know you've used that phrase a well, few exactly. times yeah, yeah. It's, it's a useful one if you want to criticise these people who 
you know, shouldn't be criticised. Right, okay. <laughs> no one loves the Beckhams more than me. No, of course not. <laughs> anyway, in Bazaar today, they said... Um, this is in the Sun section. Yeah, in the Sun, yes, yeah. yeah. Victoria Beckham has sewn, sewn up, owned up, to the fact <laughs> she hasn't sewn up. Why are you not doing the news, Andy? You should have a word with Flex. See if you can sit in for him one day. <laughs> quite worried. I got home last night, I was thinking, am I actually losing it? And I was thinking, no, I'm... I'm 08717. I was, I, was, I was always terrible. 08717, so double two, double three, double four. Is he no, actually losing it? Because when you it? get to my age, you do, if you have an off day or an off half, half an hour, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> off half an hour. Off half an hour. Oh, yeah. You do start, honestly, you wait till you're, give you another 10 years, wait till you're my age, and then you're, you suddenly. Well, I know. You, think you do that, suddenly, when you start to make mistakes, you think, well, oh, is, this, is this the beginning of the end? Right. Well, that's given me a right lift, that has, this afternoon. I'm sure it has everybody. Terrific. So, uh, yeah, the, not sure, long now, then, is I'm that sure what you're saying? Well, they're probably not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you said that Victoria Beckham has owned up to the fact her singing is about as good as the bloke who wrote it. And I'm proud of her for that. I hate that expression. Who's the bloke who wrote it? Oh, the bloke who does bizarre. Oh, OK, fair enough. Oh, I won't name him. Yeah, OK, fair enough, yeah. He might come up, he might be downstairs it listening. It might come up, he yeah. Might come up. Honestly, he said, I'm proud of her for that. I, I hate that expression. When people say, I'm really proud of you. You say, What's it got? You're not, you're not her mum. What's it got to do with you? Why are you proud of Victoria Beckham? You're not. People used to say it to me, I'm, I'm, in this guy, I'm so proud of you, the, what you've achieved. I was thinking, I haven't seen you for about 30 years. You don't know me. You've had nothing to do yeah. with anything I've done. Someone's proud of what you've achieved. Yes. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. Really. It wasn't me. <laughs> anyway. Is Andy losing? No, he won't ask that <laughs> question. Ask he that might not want to know the answer. I know the answer. Um, <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. So, um, Arsene Wenger, of course, these days of FIFA, the ex-Arsenal manager, has been talking about some of the things he would like to see uh, happening in the game. He's very happy uh, with the ball not having to go out of the box these days from... Uh, from goal kicks, I think that's made a big difference. Profoundly changed play. The real playmaker is the goalkeeper, he says. The roar has turned the game upside down. Uh, he goes with the... He Yeah. <laughs> he goes with the idea, as a lot of people have, for um, offsides. Only parts of your body that can actually score a goal. So you can't have a hand offside, but you can have a foot offside, you can have a head offside. Mm. And I think a lot of people would back him on well, that. Isn't that already the rule? Because it's, it's still your shoulder, you can score your shoulder, you can still score your chest. It's, I'm not sure about that. Well, I suppose that. It, it's arms, isn't it? Where people's arms are in certain yeah. positions, you know. So, yeah. um, anyway, the one thing he's, he's been banging on about for years are kick-ins. He's always loved this idea of the kick-in instead of the throw-in. And he's often brought it up. Rory Delap screaming there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All the long throw experts, the late great Ian Hutchinson, you know, people like that. Um, but they tried it back in the day in the Diodora League in, in 1994, Isn't I believe. Isn't it just like a free kick, though? If you, if you get a throw in like, on sort of by the thing, oh, that's a bit of an advantage, aren't we? Really sure well, at that time, Terry Paris was Lewis's player manager. And we're very pleased to say he's joined us to reminisce now. Good afternoon, Terry. Good afternoon. What are your memories of that? I mean, what are your memories of them suddenly, a bit of paper turning up one day and saying, as, as from next season, there'll be no throw-ins, just kickings. You are the guinea pigs. <laughs> well, it's very interesting you say that, because when you started talking about Arsene Wenger and these new rules, I was actually thinking back to those days when I was manager for a very short time. Uh, and that came in as an experimental um, thing that they were doing at that time. Um, and obviously um, it, it uh, changed everything with regard to coaching and how we approach games. I think it, um, it almost, um, you needed to sign on a few 
six foot five centre forwards, uh, and and take this um, this kick from anywhere in the pitch and launch it into the box. Um, it was very interesting, but um, it, I'm not I'm not sure. It didn't obviously take on. They didn't continue with it, but. Um, uh, from our perspective, it, you know, we worked on it, and uh, and it, it wasn't too bad. But um, it, it makes the game very interesting, actually. Did it lead to more goals, Terry? Well, it, um, I'm not sure if it led. I didn't don't know the stats and whether it did actually, but um, I know that um, it was a really really important part of your coaching sessions that you you had to you know you you launched everybody into the box and obviously obviously. You know, these days when your centre-halves go up and you're over the halfway line, you're a little bit worried about counter-attacking teams, etc. So that was always a, a worry in how you, how you work your strategy out. Um, but I, I think it did lead to more goals, yes, because the ball spent obviously more time in the opposition's area than it normally would do. So, it, you know, the, the answer is probably it did lead to, to more goals. Paul Bristow's been in touch. He said, I remember watching Enfield FC a few times during that season when they trialled the kick-ins and a throw became better than a free kick or a kick-in became better than a free kick because there was no offside, uh, he says. Exactly, yeah, there, was, there wasn't. There was That's right. Um, and obviously um, the the aim was to get the ball down the touchline or launch the ball into the corner So you, rather than the, the, the winger, you know, get a go past the fullback and cross the ball you try and get a throwing <laughs> so so um it, it changes the whole the whole way you you manage the yeah. team and coach the team so it it was interesting um i was pleased we went back to the old way in the end because it made you much simpler really or that. but um it was it was uh, it was a fun season really they didn't they didn't stick with it which would suggest they certainly didn't try anywhere else which would suggest that the feedback they got from the league yeah. and the fifa assessors mm. that went and watched games meant that they didn't yeah. think it was a good idea. <laughs> I think at the time we weren't the best side in the world, to be honest with you. Right. We were, you know, we were struggling down the bottom of the league, and um, and um, it probably wasn't a good um, that we wouldn't have made that choice at the start of the season to have that rule. Put it that way, um, because it was bad enough, you know, the opposition spending time in our in our penalty area anyway. So um, it was, um, yeah, yeah. We we were pleased probably, you know, the following season. I think it was when uh, they went back to the normal. Um, but um, it would be interesting to see at the higher levels, um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe one of the, the cups or something if they tried it out. I don't know if they have tried it out professional level, um, but um, yeah, I mean it was um, it was good for us. Okay. Arsene Wenger, of course, has a lot of power now, so you probably will get trialled. I just think you know if you get a throw, defensive throw near your own goal line. You, you can't be pressed in. All you've got to do is just boot it up, haven't you? Really. So I'm not, I'm not sure. It's almost like line out. you would be playing for territory yeah, a little I'm bit, not wouldn't sure. you? Somebody I, might I get another touch. You start it. playing for throws. And also, it doesn't actually... It doesn't promote the beautiful game, does it? Because as Terry was saying, yeah. you know, you'd start packing the box and you're lumping it in the box. I, mean, I don't know it, what Arson's thinking of. Yeah, I mean... Come it, on, it, it, It's quite, quite unvenger-like, really. I mean, yeah, maybe he has this idea that it will be kicked in quickly and the game will almost be like a game of five aside. That's not going to happen. You know, it wouldn't be like that. What are you right? And in your experience, it wasn't like that, Terry. No, I think uh, you're going to stick your tallest player in front of the guy who's going to kick the ball. Really. <laughs> That's another stick, thing. Yeah, you're going, to, you're going to stick him three foot away so he hasn't got anything to aim at, um, and that's where the draws become really, really tricky. Obviously, how far close you can get actually to the thrower That's good or the the kicker as such. So it was a, a great trial for us. <laughs> Well, uh, good to talk to you, Terry. Thanks very much for reminiscing and uh, all the best. Thanks very much.
Thank you very much. There we are. There's Terry uh, Paris, who I believe is uh, Lewis uh, Honorary President these days, their former yeah. player manager back in the 90s. It's always been sort of non-league football in this country. On different Holland, they like to pick out. They'll come up, you know, players have to wear nine shirts and one boot. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> stick it in the Dutch third division. They'll put up with that. It's always the same leagues that end up being guinea pigs. Leave it alone. Yeah. God, <laughs> stop <laughs> fiddling with it. But this is it's perfectly fine. Arsene Wenger, I saw it. Ellery... Kalina, Wenger, leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, hashtag leave it alone. I think you could yeah, get that trending this afternoon, Andy. Because the, um, the reason why they should leave it alone is because whatever their good intentions are in football, coaches will find a way of making it negative. Yeah. They'll find a way of, of getting round it or de- defeating the object of it. So just go back we've to all, what it but was. But we have all reaped what we've sown because there been, there's been a point in the past where you, me... Practically everybody listening today has got sawn off in a game of football, said, oh, we've got to have technology. We know we must. This We can't have these bad decisions. And now look where we are. Yeah, there was always true. that danger, wasn't there? That yeah, yeah. Once, once you start, you can't have a bit of technology. You have to have a lot of technology. Well, a lot so. of people like Adrian and Danny Kelly not in favour. Yeah. A lot of people didn't want VAR. But even, you know? even in a quiet moment, Danny, Adrian, they, they may have felt... Oh, we wouldn't have, if, if only someone had had another chance to look at that. We wouldn't have been sawn off. We could have been promoted. We mm. could have been in a cup final. We could yeah, have yeah. been this. I'm we not could have been a VAR. I'm just anti the messing about with the rules, handball, offsides, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Arsene Wenger's been going on about this. I mean, I saw an old interview from 2009 earlier on, and he was very keen on it then. So he's like a dog with a bone. He's not going to let it go now. He's got some power. So. Somewhere down in the lower reaches, expect kickings to be tried out. That du- any Dutch third division fans listening, it's coming to a ground near you anytime soon. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. I thought Max Rushton may weighing on yeah, who, are the, sh- who are the shouters. Well, just uh, as his legs go, uh, yeah. is obviously volume increases. I think. <laughs> I mean, with respect, he's the first to tell you that may be the case. He put this picture up the other, last week on Instagram, and it, I said to him, it, "It looks like one of those pictures when you know when you see a great player like I don't know Patrice Ever or somebody yeah. playing in a like a Sunday game, Sunday amateur game. Yeah, it had the look of that. It just looked." A once great player <laughs> now reduced <laughs> to the so lower you, levels. You wish you hadn't bothered uh, sending this to us now. You're getting coated. Uh, Max says, I spend the whole game doing virtually nothing but shouting, stand up, no foul, feet, the way you're facing. Like he said, there word. should be automatic season-long bans for any player who shouts all day. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. And they don't want it, of course. Uh, thank you, Max, uh, for good, those. Max. <laughs> I played with a guy at the back in the 80s, says Glenn, who's in Leeds, who was forever shouting, play it simple, lads, which was ironic because he couldn't trap a bag of sand <laughs> and forever just hoofing it as far upfield well, as he could. You don't get any more simple than that. But he was a well-known hard case, so nobody said anything, says well, Mossy. Thank enough, you, Mossy, yeah. for that. <laughs> um, what else have we got? I was a very vocal player, says uh, Ian in Oldham. Much better at shouting than playing this. There we are, just like Max. Mm. Always encouraging teammates. Banter with the opposition. Unfortunately, as a centre-half, I was known best for my shout over me as I misjudged at least one cross <laughs> long ball every game, usually leading to a goal. So uh, do good. let us know. Connor Cody and Tyro Mings, as Rupert sang, were the springboard for this. Uh, self-confessed uh, shouters, they can't help themselves. Doesn't matter in what company. It does take a bit to go into the England setup, but obviously he's got a lot of confidence in mm. himself, Cody, and just that's his game. So he was very talkative. Some people are, I guess. So uh, do let us know this afternoon. Talksport.com. Well, I think you've got to be an organiser. Yeah, you've got to be an organiser. Yeah.
He's just joined the vets, Max. I've asked him this before. I said, when are you stepping into the vets? But a lot of clubs have the old vets and the young vets. And the young vets are about 36, 37. The old vets are in their 70s. I don't yeah. know if that's the... He says the he's like a, a youth product. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it is. It's like he's the young whippersnapper. That's probably the great thing about moving into, into the vets. That's right. He'll be back on Saturday and Sunday. He will be. He will be back on Saturday and Sunday with uh, Barry on Sunday and with Charlie on Saturday, of that's course, right. on TalkSport. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, it, funny this, uh, well, I say funny. Just a coincidence, really. Chicky, chicky, chicky. It's happened. I'm gone. Chicky, chicky, he's gone. chicky, chicky. Bagurastain, you're talking about? No, are you talking, talking about Manchester City? Uh, I'm talking about rugby star Joe Marler. Oh yeah, he's moving his own autobiography in front of teammate James Haskell's in bookshop displays. Um, Marler 30 posted his antics, and Haskell 35 shot pack. The game is on, and I know about this. Can when our book came out, clips of the week. Oh yeah, I used to go around <laughs> Waterstones doing the same thing, putting it in front of other people's books oh yeah exactly making it prominent yeah okay how yeah, many branches did you do didn't work very well did no, it? it didn't work i don't remember the reprint happening <laughs> then we didn't make the bestsellers list no unfortunately it didn't but well, uh, you know the thing was it was an ill-conceived idea really if you think about it well it <laughs> didn't say that the publishers at the time no but it, 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 took the it, shilling something that's completely well of course something that's completely audio yeah you know, then you try and i think it came across well i think we we we, we, we put a bit of tlc into it I mean, we've still got a garage full of them i've only, I've, I've got about three copies of them. Yeah, yeah. i don't think you can buy it anymore i think Oh, no, oh, you can still buy. Oh, it's a great read. We do recommend it. <laughs> oh, you shut up, Andy. For goodness sake. It's <laughs> On not, the cover of the reprint, you'll say, it's an, Ill con- an ill-conceived idea, Andy Jacobs. <laughs> yeah. It's on Amazon. It's great, isn't it? It's just it's... killed off the last chance we had of selling a few. <laughs> Brilliant timing. I'll just I check. thought it was beautifully conceived and we put a lot of work into it, which we did. <laughs> we actually. did put a lot of work ages. into it. It did. It's 75p on Amazon. Oh, really? <laughs> That's second hand, though, isn't it? That's not new. I mean, yeah. that, that wasn't the new price. I think it was size of £2.54 new. Blimey, the old backside has fallen out of that market, hasn't it, really? <laughs> Only one left in stock, though. Oh, OK. Yeah, I've yeah. just seen, yeah. Well, so. that won't shift now, will it? Thanks to you. <laughs> That's going to be a sticker. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Now, um, Ang Turnquist has written a fine book uh, which we can't actually read the full title of. It's called Follow Expletive Orders. Mm. Uh, This time of day, sadly, we can't give you the full title, but you can make your own mind up. The gangland execution of a Swedish football star. It's troubling stuff. It's yeah, a shocking story. certainly is. Uh, it, I mean, it's all in there. Loan sharking, uh, mafia-like behaviour, organised crime. Of course, uh, a murder of, uh, of a fine young player and others. Uh, and you think, where's this all going on? Uh, somewhere in Italy? Not at all. It's a, a small city in Sweden. Um, and Anne joins us now. Good afternoon, Anne. Hi there. Um, yeah, I mean, you put quite a lot on the line uncovering all this because uh, in making it, the very people that uh, ultimately were, were, were charged with the offences um, were threatening your life, weren't they? Well, the gang leader had some uh, opinions on the style of my reporting. That's the diplomatic way of saying it. But yes, he did um, tell some people to shoot me in the head, basically. Wow. And obviously the, the fact that other people had done that for him must have been quite scary. It was scary at the same time, like, they would have stood too much to lose. I mean, it's one thing to threaten a journalist, but actually kill one. I mean, it would have been, it would have been unsmart for them, yeah. basically. But yes, it was scary. How did you and first... the thing about threatening people, it's really effective. Yeah, of course, of course, of course which, which you write about in the book. Hmm. But how, how did you first learn, learn about this story? Well, it was quite um, well covered in Sweden because it was the biggest investigation into organized crime. But in terms of the football player, Eddie Musa, I was actually abroad when he uh, was murdered. So I kind of, it was on the periphery of my vision. You know, I wasn't quite paying attention. But then the trial started going and um, it was just really interesting. A lot of people involved, a really complex situation in this town. Um, There were questions of immigration and integration and culture. Um, and this all took place in, in a community that originally comes from Middle East. And my family lived there for like 10, 10 years. So um, I felt quite at home in that context. I mean, not in the loan sharking context, no. I should add. <laughs> but in the cultural context. Sure. But these murders were committed to scare the rest of the community into silence. But they failed, didn't they, following this murder of the footballer because he was popular? It was... He was really, really popular. I mean, he really was a footballer who was on the cusp of greatness, you could say, because he'd just come back to his um, original club and he developed tons. And he told his sister that he was going to do a tryout for Dynamo Kiev. So he was really kind of plucked before his prime. But the thing is as well, I mean, they, they shot him with a Kalashnikov 17 times. I mean, it's not even like... There's quite, I mean, you can easily kill someone in the darkness at night without witnesses, but this was very, like, it was like a, in your face, yeah. the entire community. He was a bit of an innocent in all of this as well. He, he, he hadn't been involved. He, he died alongside his, his brother, didn't he? Um, was there any evidence that he was the target and sort of Eddie was the collateral damage, or were they after him as well? 
Um, no, they were after Eddie, as far as I understand it. There were some personal conflicts. I mean, someone had killed someone six months before. There's been a drive-by in retaliation that Eddie is believed to be involved in. Well, actually, it's that I happen to know that he was involved in. Mm. Um, so he wasn't actually super naive. And he did... I mean, the other guys, the, the established gang, were loan sharks, as in they targeted, like, small businesses. But Eddie was actually loan sharking on a smaller scale because right. he would go to, like, these gambling joints and offer kind of, like you know, on the fly loans to gamblers. So I wouldn't say he was totally innocent, but obviously that doesn't justify being killed. How was this allowed to happen? Um, you, you kind of think in a fairly small city in Sweden, why, would, why did no one get a hold of this earlier? I mean, Stockholm, this is Stockholm County still, and there's obviously it's the biggest and dirtiest town in the country, so there's a lot of crime going around. Um, but the local government had been warning the police for years. Um, they were like, there's loan sharking, there's this informal loans um, market. And they'd also been warning the government, saying that, like, if you allow people who seek asylum here to live wherever they want, they're going to come to towns where people speak their language and understand their culture, which is natural, but we have a housing shortage. So you have this black housing market, like this under... Basically, they're saying there needs to be political action in order to make sure there's not all these vulnerabilities, but nobody listened to them. I spoke to the mayor last week, actually, because I'm thinking of an op-ed, which is like, none of this would have happened if we listened to that town 10 years ago. But they didn't. <laughs> has, has the story shocked? I mean, we like to think of Sweden as a pretty liberal place, really, and, uh, you know, I'd imagine this has come as quite a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock because, I mean, I remember thinking, I grew up in quite a cute, you know, like Sweden where... I feel like the the front page of the local paper was like, oh, two bicycles stolen next to the station. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we were like murdering each other with Kalashnikovs. And I'm like, I'm sorry, was I not paying attention? What happened? Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that the murder of Eddie was like a, a one-off, that it was really like a weird outlier in statistics. But now, I mean, people kill each other with Kalashnikovs. Not every day, but like the gang violence is an enormous problem. Wow. And the politicians have finally woken up. But... I mean, it would have been nice if they'd woken up 10 years ago because we knew about this. When Eddie died, when his brother died, we knew about this. I mean, the crime syndicate involved, the network, they, they did rely on, on a matter, didn't they? The, the mafia mm. code of honour. It's the, hard the, to break this. The rule of science. But in the end, it all fell down when someone was brave enough to, to speak out. To, and so that ultimately, and it probably was Eddie Moose's uh, um, execution that did that because he was popular. Well, it contributed, but what also happened is that it gave the gang leader this, I mean, he he was already a bit pompous, um, but it gave him such hubris that he just kept going. So, like, fine, loan sharks, awful people, but as long as you give people enough time to pay back money, it usually kind of ticks on, ticks along. But he had hubris, and he started, I mean, I would, like, lend you £10,000 on a Monday, and then on Tuesday, I'd be like, oh, by the way, I need it back. Actually, make it 100000 Right. So he actually just pushed people over the edge because, I mean, one of the people in the book says, I wanted to stay. I would have cleared my debt, but I can't clear my debt immediately. And also they never forgive. So that's why he went into hiding. I mean, he went into witness protection. Right. And the the ringleader, uh, what sort of time are they serving now? He has a life sentence because he went down for... Uh, instigation of three murders in total. One of them was Eddie. 
plus, you know, like aggravated extortion and usury and illegal threats and kidnapping. Um, life in Sweden means that you can apply for parole after 20 years, but there's absolutely no guarantee. Like, life can be life. And when he threatened me, because he was already in jail at this point, when the actual prison phoned me to warn me, I remember thinking, this is a really stupid thing to do if he wants to get parole. Mm, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, it's quite... But the, the others, I have hmm. to say, though, the others are all out. Oh, really? I mean, th- yeah, and three of them were just convicted again for aggravated weapons charges and aggravated narcotics charges. And I went to the trial, and when they came into the courtroom, I was like, oh, my God, they look so old and haggard. And then I realized it been 10 years. I'm like, I probably look really old and haggard, too. <laughs> well, Anne, it's quite the story. And uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. And Turnquist there from uh, over in Sweden. Mm. And the book is called Follow Orders. Sorry, can't say it this time of day. The Gangland Execution of a Swedish Football Star is published by Pitch and is out in paperback now. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Andy, you talking about the Clips of the Week book has started a bit of a rush for it. Well, there was only one left. Uh, Peter. <laughs> Peter got in touch. He said, I tried to buy that Clips of the Week book, but somebody beat me to it. I was tempted to get the hardback for seven ninety nine, but that would be taking the gag too far. <laughs> Cheers, Peter. Thanks for your support. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll return tomorrow. We'll have the Clips of the Week and lots more besides. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.